My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We have come a long way to meet our Lord here on this retreat. Our Lord himself used to go to the mountain to pray, to be closer to his Father God. We have just told our Lord, we have confessed in this opening prayer that Saint Maria used to say before starting his time of prayer, I firmly believe that you are here. And yet, he is not here in the Blessed Sacrament because we have not had Mass yet. But perhaps all the more interesting for us to desire his presence sacramentally, but also to be aware that our Lord is here in some way because, Lord, you yourself said where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. And we are gathered here in his name. <clears throat> and therefore, somehow, our Lord is here already present, ready to give us all sorts of insights of his wisdom. If you went to Mass today in the Alleluia verse, I know it's hard to pay attention to the Alleluia verse sometimes, but... I thought I found it very insightful for today, for this retreat, precisely because it is about this topic. It says, open our hearts to listen to the words of your son. Open our hearts to listen to the words of your son. You know, and this we sing with a great alleluia, with great gusto, with, with great power. And we stand up at that point in order to read the gospel or to listen to the gospel and to listen to the homily, the explanation of the gospel made present and made relevant to my life. And it is really only natural for us to come to a retreat also with the same attitude of wanting to pray to the Holy Spirit these same words, open our hearts to listen to the words of your son, because that's precisely why we are here. We want to somehow look back at our lives, not in, in a kind of biographical way, just going back in time and, and seeing what has happened historically, perhaps that's a hard enough exercise to do just to, you know, how did I get here kind of thing and going back, tracing our steps back. And that's also a useful exercise in itself, I, I would imagine, from a human point of view. But it's not only that, because we can also do that and fall into despair because we may discover many wrong steps or bad steps along the way our sins, our failures, our defeats. And we may say, well, this is, uh, this is terrible. And yet this is who I am. How can I ever come out of this 
whole. I can't change my history, my story, my identity. And what we have to realize is St. Augustine, actually, in his confessions, he had the same problem. He actually went back in time in his memory and went over his entire life. But he didn't just go over it in a historical way because he, in fact, did fall into despair when he did that. What he did when he wrote his confessions is he confessed primarily not his sins, but the greatness of God. And only in the light of God's grace did his story or history or biography actually make sense. And only after, only in hindsight, only from the point of view of God's kind of holy mountain high up from his high point of view, was he able to actually see the hand of God even in and through the mistakes he made in his life. Because everything works unto the good for those who love God, as St. Paul says to the Romans. Everything, even our mistakes, can be a source of getting close to our Lord. Like the Pope actually likes to say, he says, we meet our Lord many times in our very in the shame that we feel for our sins. And that is the, the beginning of a new life, only when we meet him there in the truth, at the well, like the Samaritan woman, or at the cross, like the good thief, who was not a good thief at all. He was pretty bad in, in all senses of the word, because he was if he had been a good thief, quote unquote, he would not have been caught. And you know. <laughs> But he was not good at all because he was also, you know, committed evil, committed a crime. And but it was he became a good thief, a good person, right? A former thief, when he met our Lord and he united his cross to the cross of our Lord. And in fact, this is where we are called to meet our Lord there, where wherever I am. And I have passed this sheet out with the plan of meditations. There's 11 meditations in this retreat. And here are the, the themes of the meditation, of the meditations, which have the, I've chosen the title, In the Footsteps of Mary. Because somehow, Mary's biography, her life is also a life of transformation, a life of, of faith, a life that is a gift of God to her. And it was up to her to be generous in responding to that call. Because all of us are called to the same height of holiness as Our Lady. And the reason also why this weekend is very special to consider the footsteps of Mary which are really the footsteps of Christ because Mary only followed Christ, is because today is a, a very special anniversary in the history of the church. It is the beginning, the opening session of the Second Vatican Council, which, and that's why the, the feast of today is St. John the 23rd, because Pope John the 23rd called the Vatican Council. And back then, before the reform of the liturgy, it was a well-chosen day to begin this council because 
It was the feast of the motherhood of Mary, the greatest of all feasts of Mary, which now we celebrate on January 1st. And then, as if that was not enough, to give a flavor to the whole weekend tomorrow, October 12th, is really in many parts of the world, especially Spain, it is the the day, uh, it is, well, known as like Columbus Day. It's the day that America was discovered by Columbus. But it is, coincidentally, the feast of Our Lady of the Pillar in Spain, which is the, appar- the Marian apparition in Spain par excellence, the oldest apparition of Mary in the world, because as... Tradition has it, she appeared to St. James the Apostle on a pillar, on a Roman pillar, when she was still alive. And he was evangelizing the Spaniards, and he was so distraught by what he saw that, um, that he was so discouraged that he decided to turn back. And Our Lady basically appeared to him and said, no, 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 listen, stay here, evangelize the Spaniards, something good will come out of them, well, you'll see. And we have so many saints from Spain, you know, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, um, St. Jose Maria, Blessed Alvaro, all of them, among many others, uh, that, that have evangelized the world and have influenced so many parts of the world with their spirituality. And we have to be very thankful for that, for the great apostle, St. James, who decided to continue evangelizing thanks to the encouragement of Our Lady. But also... October 13th, Saturday, being on a Saturday too, the anniversary of one of the apparitions of Fatima, you know, the 101 anniversary, which is uh, kind of significant for our times in these days when everything's very turbulent, as, as was a century ago at the onset of World War I in Europe. When everything came into crisis, we seem to be again in a crisis. But what we also have to remember is that Our Lady and Jesus make themselves present through grace. And I would say that here on this retreat, we have, you have come to come and convert. When you go back, when we go back, all of us, hopefully we will have been renewed and transformed like the apostles when they were with Mary at the up, in the upper room in the cynical there when the Holy Spirit came down upon them and then they dispersed throughout the world to evangelize. We can definitely influence so many people in our surrounding, in our vicinity, in, in our state, in our, in our families, with our friends, with our colleagues. So much depends on whether or not we convert this weekend. So much depended on whether or not many saints have converted when they did convert and they decided to say yes to God and heed a the call of God in a generous way. And that's why in this first meditation, I want to consider the Annunciation of Our Lady, how she received the call and how she was a woman in prayer, basically adopting the attitude of this Alleluia verse that we read today. Open our hearts to listen to the words of your son. She was in, in prayerful 
contemplation when the angel came to her. And she was startled because she did not expect to be honored in such a way that she was as, you know, being called full of grace. Full of grace. No, I mean, she would never have imagined that. And in her humility, she, she was disturbed at such great greeting. And the angel says to her that she would become the mother of our Lord. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will be king over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Somehow our Lord is actually telling us the same thing today, that if we listen to the word of God, if we adopt this prayerful, contemplative attitude of wanting to do the will of God wherever he takes us, that we too will actually become the mother, the brother, the sister of Jesus Christ. Because in another passage of the gospel, Jesus precisely says that when a woman, if you recall, wanted to compliment Mary, you know, blessed is she who, the womb that carried you and the breasts that fed you, and he kind of turns it around and says, well, no, blessed are they rather who hear the word of God and keep it. And it's, it may sound like, um, you know, like he's not complimenting Our Lady, but Jesus is actually saying, no, the reason why she's blessed is not because she physically carried me, also that, but more so because she listened to the word of God and put it into practice, incarnated the word of God, and actually so perfectly so that she gave birth to me. So, yes, but here's a, a, a more accurate reason as to why she became blessed. And that's exactly you know, what you and I are called to be as well. Because he says, those who keep the word of God, they are my brothers, they are my sisters, they are my mother. We are called to listen to the word of God and put it into practice. And that, that word may be challenging at times. It may be like it was for Mary here, a, a word that changes her life in a certain sense. And it's kind of a wild card. She did not know what to do. You know, in, 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 in the sense that she was already betrothed to Joseph. But of course, this child was not going to be from Joseph. As the angel explains to her, she wants to do the will of God. She says, how shall this happen since I do not know man? And the angel said, don't worry, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. And therefore, the Holy One to be born shall be called Son of God. And... She says in her response, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary does not put any obstacles to the word of God, even if it may mean, as we later find out from St. Matthew's Gospel, that she could have been stoned. She could have been stoned by by Joseph, because Joseph would have had to declare, this is not my son, and I am betrothed to this woman, and 
the law says I have to stone her if she committed adultery. And obviously, how could she get pregnant <laughs> if it wasn't me? And it would have been uh, he said, she said kind of thing, and he would have, society would have leaned with him. And it would have been, you know, something that he said, well, in my conscience before God, this is not my son. And therefore, um, the law says I have to stone her. Now, she risked that. Of course, that didn't happen because St. Joseph, too, was a man who listened to the word of God, who listened, who was docile to the angel in a dream, who commanded him, who revealed to him that this son that Mary carried was of the Holy Spirit, and therefore that he should not be afraid to take Mary as his wife. And he did. But, you know, that discernment process, it's scary you know he had already decided to put her away quietly because he didn't understand he was perplexed you know he didn't want to stone her and he didn't want to simply take her in because it was not the right thing so he wanted to put her away quietly kind of take the blame a little bit or just you know he was perplexed but but he risked and mary risked the wild card the blank check of the will of god and sometimes it's it's a very scary thing to do, and it could be there are a little bit, a little bit that way, when we're in silence with God for three and a half days, <laughs> you know, you start hearing things that you may not want to hear, <laughs> or you start hearing things. Period. I don't know. Uh, you may want to take a break or something and talk to someone, but you know, we won't hear the angel. There won't be an angel, so don't look for it. Uh, I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know. It's not the normal thing. We will be really more like like Elijah. Remember Elijah when he he was listening to the word of God and he was ready to to do the will of God. And so he um, it says in in the book of Kings, and behold, the Lord passes and a great and strong wind before the Lord, overthrowing the mountains and the breaking of rocks in pieces. But it says, the Lord was not in the wind. So there's this great wind that comes, and, and Elijah's listening, but our Lord is not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake took place. And then it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a whistling of gentle air. And when Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his mantle and coming forth stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, a voice unto him saying, why are you here? And, and so on. And he gets the revelation of God for the prophecy that he needs to proclaim. But, you know, the word of God does not come in the mighty wind. The word of God does not come in the earthquake. It does not come in the fire. It comes in the whistling of a gentle air. I just read an article, passage, that talks about the Hebrew word, actually, for gentle air. And actually, the Hebrew word is the word for silence as well. So it's kind of uh, ambiguous whether it's like a little breeze or silence. And it was translated as breeze or gentle air uh, 
because silence wouldn't make sense. You know, it was like, well, you heard the word of God in silence. Well, then I can't hear anything because it's silent. So they translate it as a gentle breeze because you could hear that. But, you know, if we think about it, only in silence can we listen to the word of God. You know, only in silence. And we need silence. And on this retreat, you know, it is, it's a very important thing to keep silence. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not going to, you know, I mean, take it to a ridiculous extreme. If you need to talk, talk and whatever, it doesn't matter. But really, what, what's more important is the interior recollection that we need to have in order to listen to the Word of God. In, uh, in, in, the, in the Bible, the, the Word of God, several times, maybe three, four, five times, even more, perhaps, I haven't counted them, is compared to a sword. Compared to a sword. Like, for instance, the famous passage that a lot of evangelical Protestants like to quote, which is hopefully also quoted by many Catholics, um, this um, getting ready for battle, right? Having girded your loins with the truth and having put on the breastplate of justice and having your feet shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace and all things taking up the shield of faith with which you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the most wicked one and take unto the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God, you know? So your armor, the armor you need in order to fight the battle is the word of God. And then in Hebrews, again, another reference to, this time another word for sword, this time a double-edged sword. For the word of God is living and efficient and keener than any two-edged sword and extending even to the division of soul and spirit of joints also and of marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to, his, to the eyes of him to whom we have to give account. It's interesting. The word of God is, again, compared to this sword that helps us to discern the so finely the intentions of the heart. Which it's very tricky to, to 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 discern that because our pride, our arrogance, our disordered desires sometimes they fool us into lying to ourselves, into thinking that we were upright when we're not, and and we try to you know justify ourselves or justify our behavior. And yet only in silence can we get rid of that noise from the world, you know, and really examine the intentions deep within. And today this is this is the this is the call on this retreat to be able to spend an entire weekend examining the intentions of the heart with the hand of our lady. And so that she can lead us by example, be a witness of what Jesus wants us to do.
because she was so generous in her response. She didn't hold anything back. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. This is what we want to be able to say at the end of this retreat as well. So let us, well, take stock of of what we will hear here, perhaps in a talk or meditation or in reading the gospel. Maybe you want to read one of the gospels. That would be good. Or one of the books of the Bible or one of the letters of St. Paul or a book that you have brought for spiritual reading also. Or simply be glued to the tabernacle, you know, and just like like a central focal point here, walking around and everything, but somehow with the with the like Mary, she you know Mary as a mother, she didn't need a baby monitor, <laughs> you know, because she knew instinctively where her son was and is always, and it's you know mothers have this sixth sense of of when their son is going to fall or you know in danger, and they could sense that, and we we have to develop that too. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus in my life? Is it is he at the center? Saint Paul himself when he converted. He always had that loud and clear, that that moment when he met Christ on the way to Damascus with that great light that shone all around him in every aspect of his life. He would say later on, he loved me and gave himself up for me. This was the center from which St. Paul began his journey, his apostolic journeys. And the only reason why he persevered to the end, because he always went back to that moment when he met Christ. And from there, he drew new strength, just like the gospel says, you know, the, the, the scribe who is versed, well-versed in scripture, he uses the word of God as a treasure box from which he draws the old and the new, you know, new things and old things, kind of like wine gets, gets better with age when, it, when we ruminate over the word of God. And in fact, this is a very Marian attitude to adopt because St. Luke tells us that Mary, at least three, four times, Mary treasured all the words of Christ, all the things she heard about Christ in her heart. And only because of that, I think she was able to persevere to the end, to be to being at the foot of the cross, as we will consider in one of our meditations. Well, let us turn to her and ask her to help us to generously respond to the word of her son, just like she did, with full freedom, with full generosity, and also, especially this weekend, to be able to identify a few resolutions where we might put that into practice. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.